Now, as we prepare for this message, I invite you to join me as we hear this word. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you, is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in this land. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Through Christ you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. I remember preparing to head off for college. And I'll have to tell you that it, it was an exciting point in my life. It wasn't that I didn't love my mother and father, but to be honest, I really didn't fit in much in high school. My high school was well known throughout the state. They were state champions year after year in wrestling. They were state champions in football. One year they, they were state champions also in baseball and third place in basketball. As you get the point, it's a very athletic oriented community. And so for me growing up with this congenital heart defect, I could never even play PE, let alone play any sports. For me, it was not that much fun. Um, I found outlets in music and in debate and oratory, um, but I have to tell you that there was a great excitement for me as I prepared to head off to college. So when it was time to graduate and to move on to the next stage of my life, I remember thinking about the freedoms that I would be able to now experience as a young college freshman. I wouldn't have to check in with my parents each night. I 
could go to the pizza shop if I wanted to, to order a pizza. I could go out to the movies with my friends without asking for permission. And so for me, thinking about going to college uh, provided a sense of, of, the, of new freedoms, new possibilities, and new hopes. When I went to college, we began the week with orientation. And I'll never forget one of the large presentations when all of the incoming freshmen were together in the auditorium with over four or five hundred of us gathered together. And it was time for the uh, Dean of Students to speak. He was also the assistant athletic director. He had been an assistant football coach and he was a pastor. He was the first chaplain of the college th that I had attended. And his name was Pastor Pete, A. Richard Peterson. And he had this very deep, booming voice. <laughs> and whenever he spoke, you listened. And uh, he was presenting to all of us incoming freshmen. And I can recall him asking everyone who had been to his house the night before to please stand up. You see, the night before, the college had coordinated with all of the incoming groups, we were all broken into little small groups of about eight people. And the professors and administrators of the college, everyone um, hosted a small group at their home for dessert. And uh, so it was a way for us to get to know a professor or an administrator, someone um, on a more social type of level. So the, the eight students who had been to his house all stood up. And with that deep, booming voice, Pastor Pete went person by person, and he told everybody what their full name was, which community they came from, and what they were majoring in college. I was impressed. He had my complete attention. And then he said this, we're a Christian college, and I know some of you are planning to rely on God as you prepare for your first exams and as you enter into these college courses. And I thought, yeah, that, that sounds like me. I'm going to rely on God to help me get through these, even these difficult courses. And then he looked at us all and he said, but you know what? God gave you a brain, so you better use it. That spoke to me. I don't know why, but it was like, okay, if I just put my trust in God in a sense of like I'm giving it away to God, am I really trusting God or am I just kind of pushing it off? I mean, that was his point. His point was that God gave us a brain and that we should use our brains. My simplistic optimism that God would get me through any tough college courses met with a resounding, wake up and use your brain. I think this is what the Apostle Peter is telling us here at the beginning of this reading in verse 13. He is saying, use your brain. Well, literally, let's take a look at it. What he is saying literally is, gird up the loins of your mind. Now that's a strange phrase, but let's try to unpack it a little bit. 
gird up the loins. Where does that come from? Well, it was a reference to Exodus um, when the Israelites were in bondage in Egypt and God had spoken to Moses and Aaron and he had told them to tell the people to gather for the Passover meal. This would be their last supper before they left Egypt and, and went towards the promised land. This was the last meal before they would walk into the wilderness, which they would end up walking through for 40 years. And this is literally what Moses and Aaron spoke to the people. Said, gird up your loins, stand up with your walking stick, and eat this meal. So they're standing, they're girded up, and they're prepared because they're getting ready to go somewhere for some reason. And the reason is freedom, deliverance, to be able to no longer be slaves in bondage, to be free, to be able to go to the pizza joint when you want to go there. You see, the Israelites were being called by God to enjoy this gift of freedom that he was giving them. But along with enjoying it, he wanted them to be prepared for it. To gird up your loins was an old Semitic idiom that meant take your long robe and tuck it up into the belt that's around you so that you have more freedom to move your legs. So if you're going to be moving out quickly, you want to be girded up so that you can freely move as you head to the Red Sea. And so these Israelites girded up their loins as they ate that very important, but that last meal in Egypt before they walked into the promise of freedom and deliverance. Prepare for God's deliverance. Jesus uses this image as well as he instructs his disciples to be prepared for the Lord's coming. In, uh, in Luke chapter uh, 21, uh, verses 35 and 36, now there's different translations, um, and they've translated differently um, in each translation, I think. But let me pick it up here. For the day will come upon everyone living on the earth. So keep alert at all times. That keep alert is the translation of that old Semitic idiom, gird up your loins, be prepared, be awake. And so Peter is reminding his readers, his hearers, those first hearers, but also us as readers, he was reminding us to prepare our minds that's what it means to gird up the loins of your mind. For God's deliverance comes because of God's grace. Now, I, I have been studying this chapter, and I actually prefer a little different translation of this particular verse because I think um, the current translation, which is used, um, the structure of that translation is used in several translations, but I think it misses an important point. So let me propose a different translation. So if you have your Bibles, I'm at um, 1 Peter 
chapter 1, verse 13. And this is how I would restructure this um, reference. Therefore, put all your hope in the grace of salvation. So salvation is a gift, right? It's God's grace. So put all your hope in the grace of salvation. And why is that important for us to begin with that? It's because that's what the first part of chapter 1 talked about. That first half of 1 Peter chapter 1 is reminding us of the grace that we have received, the gift of salvation that is ours because of God's grace. And, and so, um, as a matter of fact, in the Greek, um, this verse 13 begins with uh, the Greek word for therefore, which is a summation of what they have just completed talking about in the previous section. So therefore, it should read, I think, therefore put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will be revealed to you as you bind up your minds, as you gird up your minds for action, and as you exercise self-control. Peter wants us to understand that God has given us a brain. He has given us a mind, and he wants us to use it. This sets you and your hope in God fully in God's grace. Even as you use the gifts that, is, that God has given you. So in that first section, those first verses, that, that first verse of 13, I think that sets the tone for the rest of this chapter. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird them up so that you can exercise self-control. And then we hear this in verses 14 through 16, which will be the next section. Be holy as God is holy. Don't conform to your old ways of living. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what Paul is speaking about in Romans 12, verse 2. Um, this is exactly what he says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, by changing your mind. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So be holy as God is holy. Now in the Hebrew, to be holy, that word holy, kodesh, actually means to be set apart. And so sometimes I think we have this image that when we are being called to be holy, that we're being called to be perfect. And that's not what this means. God isn't calling us to perfection here. God is calling us to be set apart, which fits much more uh, cohesively, I think, with that earlier part about not being conformed to this world. You see, when we are set apart, when we are holy, like God is holy, God is not like this world. And let us all say an amen to that, huh? Thank God, God is not like this world. But God loves this world. And God sent his son into this world. 
so that he could redeem it. And a part of that redemption, because of the grace that we have, because of the salvation that we live with, we are called to be holy, to be set apart, just as God has been set apart. Holy isn't striving for this sense of perfection. It is using your mind so that you are no longer conforming to the values and the mores of this world, but rather conforming yourself to the values and the mores of God and of his kingdom. That is how God has called us to build our lives as followers of Jesus. I'm going to ask Carl to share a song that reflects that theme, and then we'll conclude our sermon after this one.
as we come to the second half of this last chapter, there are two sections that I want to focus on. The first one is verses 17 through 21. And the theme here is that you are redeemed. You are redeemed. So live in reverent fear of God. It says God is an impartial judge. Peter's trying to explain that. That means there is good news here. God is not an impartial judge. There's no fear of extortion. There's no fear of kickbacks. There's no fear of unfair judgments because God is impartial. He treats everyone with the same justice. Now, as we think on that, we are reminded then that we are to have a reverent fear of God. The fear that we have before God is God's awesome power and truth. This fear is also more than just being frightened. This fear is respecting the awesomeness of God. Whenever I think about that, my mind always goes to Isaiah chapter 6, which is the call of Isaiah to be the prophet. And I don't know if you have ever read this or not, but in that particular reading, God has called Isaiah, and Isaiah says, I can't do this, God. I'm a man of unclean lips. And that's when the, the seraphim and the cherubim bring the, the hot coal from the altar and touch his lips and cleanse his lips. But what I find amazing is the description of God. It says that God was so large, so awesome, so powerful, so beyond our imagination that the hem of his robe filled the temple. The temple, this large worship space. The little bottom hem of God's robe filled that temple. That is what it means to reverently fear God to be in awe of God. There are no secrets with God. So if that makes you anxious, remember how we began this section. You are redeemed. You are redeemed by God. And you are redeemed not with silver and gold, but you were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Your faith and your hope in God are the result of God's plan. It's the outcome of which God has been preparing for all along. You are redeemed, and you have faith, and you trust. And then the very last section here, verses 22 through 25. You are called to love one another deeply. Peter is saying you have been born again to a new life. And this new life that you are born to will not quickly end. As a matter of fact, your new life will last forever. Now how's that for some good news? This is the hope of your resurrection. And the promise that is shared here from Peter 
he borrows a phrase, um, a section of scripture from the prophet Isaiah. This is what he is saying. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end, but your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass and their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let me read from Isaiah because that is where Peter borrows that from. Isaiah 40, verses 6 through 8. And it follows, if you remember when John the Baptist comes and he prepares the way for the Lord, that first part of, of chapter 40 is, is the reference to John the Baptist. So this chapter has this messianic theme to it. It is guiding us, it is pointing us to the one who is going to come. And this is what it says then after the reading that Peter quotes in verse 8, uh, verse 9, excuse me. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. That is who Jesus is. And that is why we have faith. And that is why we exercise our minds. So that we might no longer be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, by the thinking of our minds and our hearts. And so we are called to love one another deeply. I think at this time in our nation's history, it is difficult to love others that are different from us, that have different values, different beliefs, different skin color. It is difficult for us. But that is making no exception. Peter is making no exception here. We are called to love one another. That is the unique characteristic of the church, of being transformed by the renewing of our minds rather than by being conformed to the values of this world. And so we are called to love one another deeply. My friends, today I call upon you to hear this verse 13 once again. Therefore, put all your hope in the grace of salvation that will be revealed to you as you gird up your minds for action and as you exercise self-control. Let's gird it up. Let's get excited for some deliverance. Is anybody game for some freedom? It's yours. Amen.